We wanted to start out today's episode by sending our heartfelt condolences to the many friends and family of the late, great George Perez, a legend to both Marvel and DC contributing to the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Superman, Wonder Woman, and the new Teen Titans. His career spanned the lives of many comic readers, and we can never thank him enough for what he gave to this community that we love so much. Welcome to episode 16 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men, the animated series podcast, and we finally got all the numbers right in the script, so we won't mess it up like two of us have separately done. I am JC. You could find me on Whiskey and Waffles on Twitch, and we have been doing a lot of card unboxings on the channel lately. Ooh, nice. I haven't got one of those yet. Uh, and I'm Rod, and you can find me on YouTube, just... YouTube.com slash Rod Kim. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Some quick reminders, JC drinks during these episodes. <laughs> we are a recap show about a series that came out 29 years ago. I updated it, Rod. Ooh. It used to say 30 years, but now we're, we're we're going faster than the show came out with our episode cadence. <laughs> so there will be spoilers. If you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. And we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we have not yet covered. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. And if I keep drinking, we probably won't be. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. And, and Rod, Rod, before we even go to the end of the rigmarole, all of a sudden, Instagram popped up on us for real. <laughs> Instagram, even TikTok is like so random. I was going to give up on it because nobody was watching it. And now it's just randomly serving these video clips. I guess we'll keep doing it. <laughs> now you don't have a choice. Yeah. Yep. You're so stuck. You, so you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and find a little preview of what we're talking about, but not really right before you listen to the episode. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we might be a few weeks behind. Or the fact that we're talking about our Instagram and TikTok popping yeah. literally four weeks after the episode goes live yeah. is when this one goes live. So yeah, that's a, that's a whole thing. And did you see the news about the voice actor for Rogue? No, please share. Yeah, she, I just saw, I forget her name. It's a bad research, but I saw an announcement that she returned to the show. Ooh, so very nice. I have to be honest though. I just kind of assumed that all the living voice actors were back, but it was cool to see the official announcement. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about season two, episode six, titled Externally Yours, and it aired on December 4th of 1993. Currently sits at a 7.0. Oh, why are you laughing at that? That, that tracks. <laughs> Currently sits at a 7.0 star rating on IMDb. Rod, do you want to make any comments before we go or do you want to, do we hop right in? We can hop in. I have more questions now as an adult than I did as a kid. I think I too quickly accepted this episode as a kid. So <laughs> before we started recording, I mentioned to Rod, I don't remember watching this episode prior. And I have the DVD set, so I don't know mm -hmm. if maybe it was because I was probably watching them a decade ago at three in the morning and I just yeah. have no memory of it. But I definitely don't remember watching this episode as a kid on TV. I remember the external. I don't think I remember that's what she was called, but I just remember her design. It was kind of cool. Yeah. But the, there's questions there. First off, 
Is she external like the title spells it with the X dash turtle? Because the subcaptions had it just regular external, which is like, is she a hard drive? Like, what is this? So that was actually one of the comments that I was going to make as well. <laughs> okay. Was in the title, it's spelled X hyphen turnal T-E-R. T-E-R-N-A-L. Fucking Amazon. <laughs> but in the closed captioning for the show, it's E-X. So I don't know. Okay, yeah. She's not from the comics or anything? We'll get into that one oh, later. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Okay, cool. All right, so hopping into the episode itself, begins with Cyclops, and he is by a broken X-Jet when a gray tentacle grabs his leg. He's also there with Rogue and Jean. He kind of saves the day. Rod, what were you thinking as the episode started off? I've been desensitized now that whenever something seems out of the blue it's like oh they're in the danger room which you were right because <laughs> things start to fade and cyclops does what cyclops does best yep. where he starts yelling at somebody and he basically said to gambit like to make it tougher on him and what was what was the phrase that gambit said oh you don't like when gambit goes easy on you yeah, it was like a, it was it was gambit being creepy <laughs> yeah and it, you know cyclops is pissed because oh our enemies aren't going to take it easy on us and just he needs yeah. something to be mad at yeah i was gonna say it's a fair statement but like a weird thing to be upset about so cyclops has him turn a danger room back on and as that happens we get a phone call and specifically they say remy which stands out of course to gambit and i think we this is if not the first one of the earliest times we've heard him referred to as his real name right yeah it's not super common for the most part they are still calling him gambit and in in an episode that's that's coming up there's specifically a reference to Wolverine as Logan mm-hmm. and it just isn't like they don't they don't refer to people outside of Scott and Jean by their their birth names as often. So I think that this kind of it, signals we're going to get into Gambit's story now. So as that distraction happens, Gambit very carelessly pushes a switch, which I feel like should have some sort of protection mechanism yeah. that you can't just go to maximum danger room by accident. He's not trying to kill Cyclops, at least <laughs> consciously not chill. Yeah, <laughs> his id is all about killing Cyclops, though. But this makes an Omega Red, an Apocalypse, a Sinister and a Juggernaut. As well as that green alien. I was wondering if it was like a lizard thing or something, if that was a character. The character did not stand out to me as one that had existed in a significant way in the past, but... It's like the villain boy band. Yeah, villain boy band, and then like Joey Fatone, I guess. He's the lizard. (laughs) Joey, if you're listening and you'd like to be on the podcast, hit us up. Defend yourself. Instagram DMs are open. So, a guy on the phone by the name of Pierre, which I just have to interject. This was the first episode of the show that because of the heavy accents, I had to watch with captions on oh, yeah. for the entire episode. We're, if there's any occasion, people listening, or is that right? Is that the right Yeah, way? remember we looked it up yeah, that it, it used to be offensive and is now yeah. not offensive because we, we were trying to not yeah. offend people. I want to know if the accents in this episode are offensive at all because it, it was so heavy. <laughs> I mean, just remember, talking about voice actors, yeah. they're, they're Canadian voice actors, yeah, yeah. so they are... Probably not authentic Cajun. <laughs> Maybe you get a little bit of a, the French Canadian in there and that helps on it because yeah. Cajun is a French aspect yeah. oh, to it. True. Yeah. But I I don't want to be the one who says if something is offensive or not for another group of people. Yeah, so. but you're right. It was it, accents were thick. In the Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And Pierre says Bobby's in trouble. Gambit kind of rejects it, saying he doesn't really care. Pierre reminds Gambit that the tithe is coming up. And Bobby has disappeared. As this is happening, with Gambit just not paying attention, Cyclops is just getting his ass handed to him by the the boy band from hell. It is kind of satisfying. I wrote that note down (laughs) that like watching him go through that was like, oh, yeah. 
we're finally getting it. it it's not like it's even happening from like real villains it's, it's his own sparring session that yeah. he's getting and fucked he, up he he, he wanted it harder. You're right. He did get his wish. Rogue hears an alarm, an alarm going off, yeah. which Gambit does not care about because he's on the phone. And she pops in, realizes that Scott is getting messed up and, and kind of turns it all off, gives Gambit a little bit of a hard time. And he says, I got to go. They're going to waste my brother. Yeah. And Gambit just is unaffected. He's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Cyclops yeah. almost died. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he really does not care that, that Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. This brings us to a flashback where we have somebody running through a swampy area. And then it cuts to two groups that are by stumps in the, the bayou swamp, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it. And there's a group of people that are in black outfits that have a little bit of a night feel to it. Like, I would actually compare them to the 1990s version of like the Knights of Ren from the Star Wars Ray trilogy, essentially. And like faces are covered. Faces are covered. It's it's armor, but it isn't a traditional, like it doesn't look like a standard knight. It, yeah. it is it is a very stylized version. And I say the 90s version because there's neon yeah. <laughs> interjected into it. What was your first impression of those people? Like, did you have any idea who they were? Only because you talked about them in an earlier episode that there'd be like a guild of assassins. So mm-hmm. I, I assume that this is kind of what we're getting into. And I, if I remembered right, the Belladonna was what we saw in a flashback in a previous episode or on screen or something. In Gambit's memory, when we were worried that Jubilee was going to see things that she shouldn't have in his head. Do we want to see Gambit's memory? So this group that Rod correctly assessed as as the Assassin's Guild put this box that's golden on the stump. And you realize that this character from the other side is a member of the Thieves Guild by the name of Bernard. He's rushing. He's not making it in time. And this woman pops up out of the water. And and Rod, talk about that because you you had some thoughts on on her. I thought she looked cool. I like the design. I have so many questions of like what that is. I kind of assumed that... Either I just forgot if they referenced it later on in the series, or if they just never returned to it and we're just accepting this is a Hatfields and McCoys with a mystical swamp lady. Yeah, that, I mean, that, <laughs> that, let's be honest, that's actually what it is. So, cool thing about the external, she is original to the series. Okay, that makes sense. Yep, she is. There's a basis for her off of a group of immortal characters called the Externals. That's where the name comes from. And the character she most resembles, it's either Chandra or Chandra. I'm not sure how to pronounce Mm -hmm. it, but it's C-A-N-D-R-A with the alias of Red Death. And there's a similar role that she plays in the relationship between the Assassin's Guild and the Thieves Guild, but visually not the same individual. Okay, interesting. And then I also was... Well, I was initially confused by, but then I caught on that we were not supposed to know what's in the gold boxes. I, I I think it's just literal gold. I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But I, I I don't think there is anything more malicious. It's just you pay your respects by the thing most valuable to you. And for people who are killing for money and robbing uh-huh. people, gold's the most valuable thing. That was oh, okay. what I always assumed for it. Yeah. Because they are they are in particular gold boxes. So. Yeah. I, I just I took it as what is it? Pulp Fiction, where you never find out what's in the suitcase. And just it's entirely possible too. Yeah. And then I had questions of like why thieves versus assassins granted neither is like a you know totally honorable vocation but i feel like assassins do more bad than thieves <laughs> i would agree but i don't think the external really cares yeah, right because <laughs> what we do see is as the assassins guild has has given their tithe they are given strength and protection from the powers of mortal men mm-hmm. so it kind of says that it's not that the external is a malicious entity or anything like that. It's more of an apathetic entity that yeah. that she's so above mortals 
that she doesn't really care what they do with their power as long as she gets her shit kind yeah, of scenario. It's her gold for whatever yeah. purpose. It's like Dr. Manhattan. He's like separate oh, from okay. I was like, Dr. Manhattan does not care about gold. But sorry, yeah. the, oh, step, sorry. the step before the gold, yes, yes I agree. Yeah, yep. well, he, he's, just like, he's just apathetic. And he's like, all right, I'm just doing my function. And yep. And then the member of the Thieves Guild, Bernard, shows up just missing the time that the tithe was due, mm-hmm. which I... I, I'm sorry if I was that dude. They have 10 years in between these things. Yeah. I would have been there a day early and sleeping on that stump. And I, and you'll see this throughout the episode. They, they don't hurry at all. Like They cut it really close for everything. And also, it, 10 years is a long period of time to be exact on the minute. Because it wasn't even a minute. It was like the moment that she was counting. Yeah, there was like, she had, they had a 30-second leeway there. <laughs> yeah. But the external pretty much just freaks out vaporizes slash teleports Bernard. We don't know if he's actually dead, but the phrasing, you failed. If you fail a second time, you're going to join your conspirator in oblivion. So that could be interpreted two ways. It could be like, you know, this alternate plane of just like limbo or something like that. Or she just vaporized him and he's dead. Yeah, one (laughs) of the two. And then she chooses for the next tithe in 10 years, you get Belladonna Mm -hmm. from the Assassin's Guild. And then Bobby, who is, they, they say brother, I, did you get the impression they are blood or it's just like we are close and because oh, I don't know enough about Gambit's history as a character yeah. to know if Bobby as a character is one in the comics and two is he a blood brother or is it just like we grew up in the streets so you're my brother I assumed blood brother yeah but, it's entirely possible but as we'll see as this goes on they don't seem particularly close yeah <laughs> So I don't know. That's interesting, though, because, yeah, there's a lot of that, especially in this series, because everybody's kind of outcast anyway. So Mm -hmm. whoever sticks together, they're like family. That's great foreshadowing for two episodes from now, too. Well, two of our episodes, three episodes of the show. So we cut back to the mansion. Scott is laying in a bed all jacked up. Rogue. (laughs) Once again, satisfying. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Rogue seems more concerned with the fact that she didn't know about Gambit's family Mm -hmm. than really anything else. Like, that was her focus. Like, I didn't know he had a family. Cyclops is like, I almost died. Yeah. And and then I think Gene mentions Gambit having dreading feelings of dread as he was leaving, which Gene is quickly learning more of Xavier's quote unquote morals. She's just like randomly scanning people (laughs) without them knowing. The argument could be made because they have done this in the comics where sometimes the feelings of a person are so strong that even if she's not trying to read somebody's mind, it just exudes out of them and she can't not notice it because it's so strong. And I I also get that that was a really crazy, you know, situation that happened. So it, you know, quote, quote, unquote, I don't know if there was the right word. It (laughs) may have kind of justified it to her that. We do, what's going on in his head? Why do you almost kill my husband or not husband? Are they married? We, we haven't decided. They're not married again. Going by cartoon <laughs> logic of the preacher yeah. being the issue, no. <laughs> by our understanding as guys in our 30s of what it takes for somebody to be married as you go to the courthouse prior to the wedding in yeah. the modern day, yes. <laughs> so let's go with yes now. Sure. And then Wolverine arrives. believe he made some smart-ass comment. And then he offers to track Gambit. So, of course, we cut to Gambit, who arrives in the swamps, and he joins up with Pierre, and Pierre reveals that the assassins have Bobby, and they have the tithe, and they are willing to trade both for Gambit. And again, for for a kid's show, 
they drop a lot of words super casually. Like they, they literally describe it as there have been 300 years of killing. Yeah. So that means that probably in the last decade with the Assassin's Guild getting the power boost and the Thieves Guild not, mm-hmm. there were probably a lot more dead thieves than there were dead assassins, at least in the last decade yeah. too. And also they're assassins. Yeah, they are, <laughs> by default, they are more likely to kill something. From a skill set and a persona perspective. Yeah. yeah. The X-Men, you know, follow. They make their way there. Wolverine has my favorite line of the night. And it, I, I think it might just be when Wolverine or one of the characters says something that the grammar is so awful. That's what makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. You love Storm being oh, yeah. weird. And I love somebody who can't talk like an adult. And it's Wolverine saying, Cajun, don't trust nobody. <laughs> So we get to this manor, plantation, whatever you yeah. want to call it, with Gambit. And basically, he, he has arrived at the Assassin's headquarters. Something let's like go that, with, yeah. Let's go with headquarters. There's a, there's a dungeon in that mansion somewhere. Yeah. And you have a confrontation between Bobby and Gambit together. And that's where Gambit specifically reveals that Bobby made him a thief. And it was a really, it was a specific choice of words. So that's a good point. So that goes to your point of maybe they weren't blood related. They were just close. And the reason they're not close anymore is because Bobby got Gambit wrapped up in all this mess. Right. That's a good point. That all said, part of the reason why Gambit is such a good fighter is probably from his time in the Thieves Guild. Oh, yeah. So. Running running away from those assassins. At that time, Belladonna arrives and essentially the, the trade happens where Gambit says, give him the tithe and let him go. You could have me. We get a little bit of background that they were going to be married. And it was very much the medieval reason for getting married, where you have two houses coming together to try to end the war rather than doing it out of love. Except Belladonna definitely has the hots for gay. It's that armor. Yes, it's the permanent body (laughs) armor. Well, well, he didn't have in the flashback. So she she loved him before the armor. That's romantic. God damn it. But Gambit being Gambit, he blames it on being a scared kid. But he decided to run off before they could actually get hitched. You know, right? That's a good reason because she also reveals that she's still been wearing the engagement ring for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to call anybody like by any offensive terms or anything like that. But But she's nuts. That's that's a little much. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, moving on or whatever. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess if he never said they broke up. Then in Herma, I'm not going to try to logic that (laughs) shit out. But as a part of the trade and basically being like, you know, you're here with me. She puts the ring on Gambit. And I would not trust that at all after going to Genosha and stuff. Well, I mean, it it looks like a regular ring. It doesn't. It's not yellow with beeping red lights and shit (laughs) like the Genosha collars. But it has the same powers as the Genosha collars, which shut down Gambit's power. So he can't blow shit up. Did you love how quickly Bobby was like, see ya? He just... Skedaddle. He is a thief through and through, man. Like <laughs> He's like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, cool. Th- thanks for coming. We're out. So we get Rogue, Wolverine, and Jean, who show up at the headquarters to the thieves, which Wolverine talks shit about the, the quality of the house. Mm-hmm. And then he uses what Rod and I think is probably an offensive phrase, which is he calls them mushmouth, right. which is just, I would, I'm presuming that's just being offensive to how they talk with the heavy accent. But yeah, or or at the very least, the way he said it was like a slur. <laughs> yeah, it's intended to be offensive. Yeah, this leads to a pretty one-sided fight, as one would expect. Again, this isn't Wolverine fighting the Guild of Assassins. It's, it's, it's fighting the non-powered Thieves yeah. Guild. 
I, I liked. Uh, there was a moment with Jean though, right before that, where she's like, "I sense people," and like, not she didn't even finish that breath, and the trap door just like fell out beneath them. Yep, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, good, good one, good Jean." So after our one-sided fight, we get Pierre returning with Bobby, and I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna dwell on this. I keep getting tripped up by the name Bobby because Bobby to me in the X Men universe is Iceman. Right, yeah. So just saying Bobby for somebody other than him just totally trips me up yeah but that's aside neither here nor there so pierre returns with bobby and reveals that belladonna is going to be bringing gambit to the tithe and obviously this trips up rogue yeah she, you, you get the little twitch in her eye yeah she knows something <laughs> is is up there we see a moment between gambit and belladonna and she says basically you know after tonight there's not going to be a thieves guild anymore because she switched the tithe. I feel like she shouldn't have said that to Gambit. Yeah, that's 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 the villain's monologue, right? Reveal yeah. everything just a second before. So not the greatest plan because <laughs> as soon as we get the two guilds showing up at the same stumps, Gambit reveals the plan very loudly to everybody. everybody. And he he's just he gives no shits in this episode. He just keeps knocking people away like really comedically. Yeah, he's like, nope, he, nope, get get out of here, <laughs> don't care. Then Rogue throws out her offensive phrase. One of two, where she refers to Belladonna as uh, the Swamp Witch. Yeah. And then... Because she's thoroughly jealous at this point. Oh, they've she's made, 100%. They've, they've made her really clear, even though she's been, like, yeeting it away this whole time, like, yeah. for the last season and a half. Like, she's like, wait, 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 no, I want to hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's mine to push away. But I don't know if you noticed with the animation, they did this, like, translucent veil around her. Yeah. Yeah, and then it disappeared rather quickly around Belladonna, but yeah. there was definitely the implication that she had a veil on at the start of this. Yeah, like they like just gotten married or getting ready to or something. Getting ready to yeah. was the impression I got, yeah. But of course the the fight breaks out and Belladonna power blasts Rogue like just totally tosses her, which shy of the mega strong enemies like your sentinels and stuff like that, mm -hmm. Rogue doesn't get tossed like that. Yeah. So yeah. that's that that's that externals power or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's a really vague power set. She just kind of does what she wants. It's, it's a power <laughs> amplifier. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Then Wolverine heads over and attempts to cut the, the ring off of uh, Gambit. Does not work. So I guess it it must be Genosha tech. Something, yeah. Because it's like, cool, you try to cut it off. It's, it's, it's like, well, not worth blowing your finger off. We'd rather electrocute you, I guess. I did notice, though, that when he went for it, it looked like Belladonna like, did something purposely to stop his power from working. So That's she, true. Maybe so, she has to yeah. activate or something. I, I love the idea of combining externals magic along <laughs> Genosha. al alongside Genosha tech. It's oh, definitely geez. not what happened, yeah. but yeah. So the two sides are ready to to go at it, and Jean tries to disarm them, and it just completely fails. Yeah. And you get the Thieves Guild and the Assassins Guild just everybody fucking each other up. At that point, the external returns, sees that the tithe is there for the assassins and is gonna increase the powers of them again. Rogue throws out her second offensive phrase, this one still directed at Belladonna, referring to her as a mop squeezer. <laughs> It's like, geez. I might start using that one. That's hilarious. That's, uh, I feel like you need to look that one up before yeah. you start using it. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where we're saying it because we're quoting something. Yeah. I would look it up before you use That's an true. everyday conversation, Rod. That's true. I, just, it just, I think just the syllables, the sound of it to me just sounds hilarious. But, yeah, but Rogue tries to reason with the external and then she gets geeted away too. Yeah, she shuts her down too. <laughs> Rogue, as much as Rogue is trying to do everything right here, Rogue is just getting tossed yeah. in this episode. Jean uses her telepathy though. Mm -hmm. And through that reveals the plan to the external who completely trips out, loses her mind, and basically is like, 
you know, you you ruined the sanctity of what this was. Whereas I kind of get it because the stuff that happened with, you know, Bernard 10 years ago, there's nothing that shows that the assassins were the reason for why he messed up and was late or anything like that. But it's like, oh, you were trying to trick me and that's where you fucked up. Yeah. I wonder if this is a whole case of those guilds. They're not doing like good things. So maybe it's like a peace offering or something like you can continue to exist in this thing. You know, if you do this tradition or whatever. I mean, it's it's bribe. It's bribe me. It's 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 paying. It's paying off the really powerful like swamp cop. (laughs) Okay, swamp cop might be my (laughs) swamp cop is solid. Yeah. Swamp Cop might be my new favorite, like, replacement curse word or something to call somebody. And she turns to the thieves and basically says, your enemy is now mine, and asks them what their judgment is. And, of course, Bobby is just like, kill her. Yeah. Fucking kill her. I mean, fair, though. Yeah. she was trying to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, she was literally (laughs) trying to get him killed because the tithe was switched. But Gambit kind of jumps in and stops it. He does a full, like, quarterback. (laughs) He's like, could Oh, yeah, just knock people out. (laughs) Just keep knocking them out. And essentially, Gambit just wants the assassins to be mere mortal men and just not have any power anymore. And then we get the kind of quick wrap up at the swamp where Gambit turns to Belladonna. He's like, I'm never coming back. I'm going back with the Mm X-Men. And we see back at the mansion, Cyclops is still judging people. (laughs) He's sick. He's got nothing else to do. Oh, yeah. He's he's hurt and he's not not feeling great. And he, he... is you know insinuating gambit has to trust us mm-hmm. and he's saying it to gene and gene's like <laughs> i think gene is holding back the amount of time she wants to yell at him personally <laughs> so, she's doing it with her mind yeah that's why he's angry all the time she says it directly to him and we yeah. don't hear it yeah <laughs> and he thinks he's going crazy because nobody else reacts to it and then we get our our jump over to the savage land yeah Magneto and Xavier meet Goro from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so it starts out with them in this village, which is like destroyed and a little messed up. And I, dude, I literally wrote it down. Goro. Oh, really? <laughs> because because if you guys don't know, Rod loves Mortal Kombat. Love Mortal Kombat. So I knew there was going to be no way that we would be able to see a muscle-bound person with four arms. Yep. And Rod was not going to... <laughs> like inherently compare him to Goro. So they... Well, he states his name pretty quickly. He does, and it's it's barbarous. You get a little bit of a, a fight scene. Professor X, like, clotheslines him, <laughs> and Barbarous grabs Magneto, puts him in this, like, you know, literally Goro-style bear hug. What else do you do with forearms? Yeah, I mean, if you could, <laughs> if you could squeeze a life out of somebody with two arms, you should do it with forearms. <laughs> he reveals they have a new master now. And we, we still haven't gotten indication as to who that new master is or anything yeah. like that yet. And Xavier decides to save the day by throwing a rock at a beehive, <laughs> which happens to be right above them. And unfortunately for Barbarous, the bees are smart enough to know which person to attack, meaning they go after Barbarous. And as Magneto runs away, they don't follow him. They're... I was going to say mutate bees, but that's opposite. No, they're they're not mutate bees. <laughs> what you know, the concept of them being in Savage Land was a really cool cliffhanger, but it's funny to me that the cliffhanger, quote unquote, was the beehive falling and then credits. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was beehive falls run off credit. Like it was there wasn't a moment after that. It was literally just like we got to keep running. Yeah, so that was an interesting episode because you know we we got to see some of the Gambit's backstory, but. I feel like we also somehow skimmed over a lot. This whole engagement thing. Who the hell is Belladonna besides what we know about her being part of the Guild of, Guild of Assassins yep. and stuff? 
So one of the things that Eric Leewald talks about in his book, which is called previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series about this episode was Gambit was one of the people that Marvel had pushed for to be in the show. So even though you had more established characters, think Colossus was more established, Iceman, Bobby yeah, was, was more established. Game. I mean, yeah, literally from the original five. And he was in the Spider-Man cartoons. Or is that, late? no, no, that was before. That was before, yeah, that yeah. was that was early. That yeah. was, yeah, Spider-Man and the Amazing, amazing Friends. friends yeah. Yep. So he's very popular. But they, they pushed for Gambit, and the interesting thing at the time was he was a loner with very little known about his background at that point. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of similar to Cable in the first season where, you know, aspects of Cable's character had not been fully dove into and in, you know, the same way somebody like Scott or Magneto or even Wolverine, who has a whole set of background issues to talk about and then probably another show. There wasn't a lot that had been fully established off of him, which made him like this really like cool loner with, you know, a very difficult background to go off of. I remember Gambit being a lot of my, like my brother and a lot of my friends favorite I know I mentioned Morph being a favorite. Yep. Morph was a favorite in the sense of the mystery of it, because, you know, we did, really didn't know what he did besides Shapeshift because we didn't get a whole lot of him. But I, I just, I remember, like, in the video game and stuff, like, everybody always picked Gambit to play and stuff. He was just, like, he was the cool guy, you know? Which game were you playing that Gambit was your go-to? It was the Sega game. Oh, the... The first Sega game? Yep, yep. The one where if you use their mutant powers, it drained their health. Yeah. Uh, well, was it their health? Or it was, oh, no, no, it was, it, was, separate... it, was, it was a mutant gauge. Yeah. But... It was still annoying. It was very annoying because Wolverine <laughs> using his claws, yeah. which one is not his mutant power. Yeah. He also didn't heal. So I have no idea what <laughs> yeah. what their concept of it was. I never got past the second level in that game. I got past more levels mostly because there was a code that you could do in that danger room area. Mm-hmm. And then there was those panels that you could select levels or cheats yeah. and stuff, which is Im- almost impossible to do on emulators now. So mm. kinda, but I, I remember that game, the, the Sentinel level is my favorite. Well, if you could find a Sega Genesis, I do have it upstairs in the... Uh, I the, have the game too. <laughs> yeah. I don't care enough to find a Sega Genesis to well, play a game that I thing. don't enjoy. I have a Retron mm. to play my Sega games in, yep. and that doesn't do the inputs correctly oh, okay. to do the thing, as far as I know, at least. But mm. once again, I don't care enough to work for it. Yep, that's <laughs> fair. Rod, any closing thoughts for this episode? I mean, I, th- I think that this... When we talk about, like, at the beginning, like, this this episode is a 7 out of, of yeah. 10. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is Gambit is... He's not a character that I dislike, but he is also not a character that I have a massive affinity for. So mm-hmm. I think that helps. There's a great moment in the comics recently. So in the, the current version of the comics, you have Rogue and Gambit getting married. Oh, wow. Okay. And, it, the rela- and the relationship between a few characters is established. And I don't want to say it because I don't want it to be revealed for something okay. a couple episodes okay. from now. But a person who has a in-law-esque relationship with Gambit. Okay, yeah is interacting with him and just literally like, I, I can't believe my daughter. <laughs> I, I can't believe this is who you pick. And he gives like some like very gambit, very smarmy remark back to, to this person. And they, they literally put their hands up with like this like pissed off look on their face like they want to choke him right in front of him. Yeah. And he's just like laughs it off. Yeah, he's like whatever. That's yeah. been worse. Yep. I think the only thing that really stood out to me is it, it's at least the first time I noticed we get the and I might be wrong, but I believe I'm right, that Jean when she was giving the external like all the mental images and stuff, she passed she does the ah uh, 
and then Wolverine, Gene. I think that might have been the first time we heard that combination, and then we'll, we're going to keep hearing it. This series, because there's montages you can look up online. It's like, ah, Gene. Uh, uh, Gene. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't deny that you're right. I had not known that was a meme, and now I'm going to be on the look for it. <laughs> Well, because it sounds like a porn if you don't know what you're watching. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously, Rod. That's half of everything becomes a meme because it's like porn. <laughs> oh, thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload, the official Instagram post, or screw it, throw it in the reels. Now let's add engagement yeah. to those damn things. I do appreciate that our most popular reel at the time of the, this recording is me saying that a 3D printer is smarter than bigots though. So that part is pretty great. That's great, yeah. Now, we want to be quoted for anything. If there's ever anything the internet should quote me for, I want it to be that phrase. If you like what you heard, we would also appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. We are on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. And I will say, I did see an amazing review. Somebody gave us a five-star review. And I believe the comment was long the lines of like don't fuck up the storm outro that was totally directed at you rod oh no is that should be our outro no, i don't know I'm, oh. ju I'm just saying they there was a comment about not messing up stuff with storm so that's you oh sweet okay don't fuck up storm also don't be a swamp cop i can't finish with anything better don't be a swamp cop <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>